mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Yo, welcome to Unfair, the solo weekend edition with me, Jay, where we take a musing approach to the sports conversation, which can be found with our partners at WMQGRadio.com, weekly at noon Eastern, and wherever podcasts are downloaded and listened to. Make sure you rate us and review us and give us five stars. If you don't think we deserve it, just give us five anyway. Gift. My solo weekend episode is sponsored by Clutch Culture. In life, there are moments where you need to be clutch when you need the most. So clutch culture is inspiring to bring you just that. With hats and t-shirts available to remind folks who's clutch and who isn't, bring that culture into your lifestyle by checking out their Instagram, underscore clutch, underscore culture, underscore. And it'll be in the description below as well as on the YouTube page. So today I'm going to dive into some conversations around more bubble talk. We're going to actually talk about the games and some of the performances that jumped out to me. Will we have college football this season? I'm going to talk about a series of videos that are coming out for me this weekend. And NFL players have opted out. I kind of want to dive into that NFL 100 that Jimmy talked about last week on his solo. Because, yeah, I don't know about it. Let's dive right in. All right, everybody, thank you all for diving, uh, for joining me, you know, here on uh, Unfair. We appreciate the support that we've always gotten from everybody, but um, I want to open up with this. So, the purpose of the show, being that it's unfair, is that we want to make sure that we're as fair as possible in our analysis and conversation around players and the sports themselves. Now, I understand that not all the time we'll be able to achieve that, but when we have those opportunities, we need to take advantage of it. So, for example, I felt like I was a little unfair to the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder organization in talking about them signing a Lou Dort. So, they signed him to a, uh, I think it was a four or five year deal, like uh, $5.4 million or something of that nature. Uh, don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but kind of implied that they were taking advantage of the situation. The Dort probably should have got a little bit more money and um, the Thunder kind of leveraged the fact that he needed money because we're in a pandemic so he didn't, he wasn't making much on, on his two-way contract. Probably should have um, offered him up more. So I did a little research, had some conversations with some folks and I recognized that this is where I was wrong. They basically gave him the only contract they could really give him. So he, he has a contract for a second rounder, even though Lou was not drafted, you know he was, he was signed as an undrafted player, and he was on um, 
the uh, on a two-way contract playing with the Blue as well as the Thunder. And since he hit the maximum of his days, or he was about to, and the Thunder recognized that he would be an asset in the playoffs, they kind of had to sign him to a regular contract. Well, the contract they gave him is the contract, the only thing that was available for him. Being that he was a rookie, they couldn't just offer him a veterans type of contract. They have there's restrictions to that. So they gave him a rookie deal. And that rookie deal was in line with second rounders. So he actually has the exact same contract outside of the first year that Isaiah Robbie has. If you know who Isaiah Robbie is, he was a player that the Thunder traded for, got him from Dallas. He was drafted by the Detroit Pistons, shipped to Dallas, I think on draft day, and from there he was traded to the Thunder later. So if you look at their two contracts, they are the exact same number. So the Thunder were able to give Lou Dort a contract, but they can only give him what they were allowed to, which is basically on the rookie scale. They were fair. So want to get, make sure I clear the air on that. Let's talk bubble. <laughs> so the bubble has been going on, of course, since uh, July 30th, uh, that Thursday and on the last show where Jimmy was uh tested positive for not having a job he we I w- I dove in on a solo endeavor and kind of talked a little bit more about the um more of the elements some of the things that really jumped out to me that I felt like were worth talking about and so those four elements were key to me on what we've been watching as far as the product goes the product itself has not been bad it's actually been pretty good. And I like the little details they put in to try to make it feel like it was actually a home arena or a home crowd or just a home feeling in general. So I have no beef with it. Of course, outside of, outside of that portion of it, I mean, some of it's corny, but at the same time, it's just the little details. And I appreciate the fact that they thought about it. And so i kind of went in on the things I liked and didn't like. So if you want to listen to that, you can definitely check it out on the podcast as well as I'll have it um, linked here in the YouTube channel. You can go back to that portion of the episode, but it was, um, I have to now dive, I want to dive into the games themselves and talk about just the performances and the ways looking. Like I mentioned before, games are kind of sloppy, but you cannot expect that guys haven't played, haven't really built much chemistry over the last, what, three months because we were shut down in March. Now we're in now August. So, yeah, you you can expect there to be a gap in a three to four month period of no basketball. It could throw you off. But. But some teams are looking a lot better than others, and I'm and I'm sensing that these teams actually were practicing together a lot more during the pandemic than others were, which is not a bad thing. I think that that's actually a really good thing. It's good to see that teams were able to find ways to get everybody together. Like I know the thunder definitely did some things and it looks like the Phoenix suns did some things similar to the Indiana, uh, Indiana Pacers because they're all doing pretty solid here in the bubble record wise. While a lot of your heavier hitters, they looking, they're looking like they're just a shovel. But before I jump into that, since that's the whole purpose of you guys being here is really hear about me, talk about the games, talk about the sports and everything. I don't like to get too political, but I want to kind of jump into that first. I have one question for the NBA with everything that's going on. I mean, I appreciate the social justice movements that they're doing, the names on the jerseys and all of that stuff, but I'm trying to get a better understanding of the demonstration they're doing pregame which is the Neil International Anthem. This is no longer a protest. This is more of a demonstration because 
there aren't any fans in Orlando. So I'm actually curious to know is why are we even doing the national anthem at all? Why is it even being televised? Why are we even talking about it? Like, why are we doing it? So, so what's the point? What's the purpose? I feel like there has to be an end game to this for them to be doing this every game and showing it and televising it, showing the players kneeling and stuff. Because, of course, you've got the opposition. You've got the fans. You've got sponsors. You've got all these people that are probably pissed off by it. And a lot of these teams, um, I can guarantee that every single team had at least one sponsor pissed off from it that's in the bubble. So I want to better understand why are we doing it? Because, I mean, as far as the national anthem goes itself, I've always questioned why we even do it in sports in general outside of the Olympics. Because if you really think about it, Everyone on these on, on the in the arena, the playing field or whatnot, represent the city that they're playing for, which are all American cities outside of the Toronto Raptors. So what's the point of us actually doing the national anthem when we're playing against each other? I mean, is it a sign of patriotism? Because to me it's not. It's not if it's manufactured and it's for American teams. The Olympics, yes, we definitely need to be doing the national anthem during the Olympics. Um, or any sport where we're competing against other countries, where we're representing our country, yes, do it that way. But why are we here? What's the point? I just feel like we're wasting our time doing national anthem and having this conversation over and over and over again um, when we can continue to demonstrate but just not show national anthem. I don't know. I think it's just me. I could be off base, but that's my thoughts behind that. So from there, let's dive into some of these games. So they've been a lot closer than expected. I've had some appreciation in a lot of these games. There's been a lot of overtime play. There's been a lot of games where the score has ended up closer than expected. Um, I watched the Thunder game the other night and against the Lakers, and they beat the snot out of them, which, you know, I appreciate that. Um, we, we needed that in our lives, but at the same time, Games are a lot closer, and they're in. We get a lot of game winners. I mean, we all saw uh, Devin Booker hit that game winner on Paul George, which it seems like Paul George is very infamous. Somebody had a video on Twitter on the Twitterverse of Paul George getting basically just dotted in his eye numerous times by game winners, and so we're we're seeing real competition. Basically, something we all were asking for when it came to bringing basketball back. Yeah, it's not perfect. Like I said, it's sloppy. But we're getting good basketball. So this is something we should thoroughly enjoy because we almost didn't have it. So it's, it's looking like the bubble is definitely working. And so I'm looking at it like the Phoenix Suns, they're 4-0 and right now in the bubble, which is pretty impressive. Got to give them props for that. They're showing that they're trying to make the playoffs, which now they are literally, they are two games outside of the eighth seed while the Memphis Grizzlies just lost Jared uh, Jackson. And to me, that kind of hurts them as he is a key piece in their offense. Now, John Morant's going to do a lot more to hold that spot because they have Portland a game behind and they have, uh, like I mentioned, Phoenix moving into the two games behind them. So I don't, I don't know uh, what Memphis has to do to win this out. They just got to make sure that they don't have Portland or Phoenix within two games. They've got to find a way to win. They're on a five-game losing streak. So they're winless so far in the bubble. That's not good. 
and I was I'm really rooting for Memphis because I don't I kind of don't want Portland in. I I mean no no shade to them, but I'm the Lillard whining piece of wanting more games and and all of that just just didn't sit right with me. So I think it's I'm ready for them to be pulled out, but. Some players are showing out, and others are kind of just barely being there. Like, the Lakers right now look really, really sloppy. I was um, talking to a buddy, and he kind of made mention that he wonders if the Lakers are purposely not performing to kind of keep the footage or film of them down of what they're playing. I mean, that could be a, a tactic that they're trying, but to me, I think the biggest piece for them is they just don't have no chemistry right now. They're just not. I mean, they're they're weaving in multiple guys. You have Deion Waiters, um, and you have Jared Smith that you have to weave into to perform, especially since Rondo is down. It's Caruso, Waiters, and um, J.R. Smith that have to find a mesh because Caruso is not the starting point guard, and but he plays a lot with those two guys. So I feel like their chemistry is just off. And I think they'll get there. I mean, they did clinch the number one seed in the West, which I honestly don't know what that means right now. <laughs> now we look back on it, it's like, what does that really mean? It, they get to stay in their same great hotel or something? I don't know. But um, and Milwaukee today just clinched the one seed in the East, so I guess that that just guarantees they, they I mean, they, they're the number one seed. It doesn't really mean much in a big bubble because everybody's playing in the same places. Unless they get to choose what court they play on. Now, if they get to choose what court they play on based upon their times, that may be a key thing, especially if they have a fondness for a particular ones since they're playing at three courts. That might be what it is. But I don't know. I'm, I'm not – I don't get what it matters in the seating besides, I guess, matching up with particular teams. But I don't think L.A. wants to see Portland. I don't. I don't think that's a team they want to see in the playoffs. I, I, I think Lillard and them can give them work. Um, I, it feels like Portland has a lot more chemistry in comparison to a lot of the other teams uh, as well. So I don't know if that's something that I will. I, that's not something I would want to happen if I was the Lakers. I wouldn't want to play Portland. I want to play Memphis. I think Memphis they can sweep. I think Portland will take it to six. Um, they should be better than what they are. So that, to me, isn't a matchup you want day one. And then you got Washington over here who's lost all their games in the bubble. They're a four-game losing streak, and now they're actually uh, – their record is worse than uh, the Hornets. So technically they're eliminated from the playoffs, kind of, but they're still, of course, still in there because they're in the bubble. So – but it doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs. So I guess we probably should be looking at them like, hey, you guys are basically done. So we'll see what happens. But overall, the basketballs, like I said, it's a, it's a, it's what we've all been begging for. So overall, everyone enjoy what you're seeing right now because there's no real complaint that you can have about all these close games, games starting at 11 o'clock and working throughout the day. So if you – since we're all basically working from home anyway, those that are at home doing the, the remote work, you can turn the TV on and you can watch 
game after game or at least have it in the background as background noise while you're you're doing your hustle or even at some jobs if you're the only one there and you can turn on TV, turn on a tablet or phone, you can sit there and stream and enjoy it. So um, I'd say enjoy what's going on. But, uh, yeah, let's see what happens next. The families are supposed to be coming around um, the first round of the playoffs. And they have a whole protocol for them, and I'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about that probably Monday with Jimmy. I think it's going to be it's an interesting conversation to have because I'm kind of curious to what it's going to look like, especially since the families and the other people, meaning like girlfriends and stuff, are going to be in two separate buildings. I'm wondering exactly how they're going to work all of that out. There's a couple of jokes made about it. We'll talk about it on the next go around. Okay, so it looks like college football is in shambles right now. And I, I'm asking this question. Do you think we're going to have college football this year? I don't know. But the way things are going in the professional sports, especially those that actually had to play a full season in comparison to a... a cut down season it this doesn't feel like we're 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 going in the direction of having college football i hate to break to everybody but i mean it's just what it looks like so looks like just about every conference have already decided on the way they're going to do things so every most just about every conference has put in for they're going to do a conference only schedule we have the sec the Pac-12, the Big 12 announced theirs. They're doing a 9-1 and one, uh, model, so they're going to have one non-conference game. ACC is going to be all-conference with one additional team. And uh, the Big Ten's going all-conference. And so the way they're looking, it's going to be 10 games for everybody with the Pac-12 potentially playing 11 instead. And... If this can work out, I'd be, I'd put money on that it won't. This is why. So it makes sense for them to go with the conference only schedule because they can control the protocols in their conference. If every conference has the same protocols, they are a little bit more confident that things can run the way that they're supposed to. So you're not not trying to overlap the conferences because each conference basically runs independently. So one conference may say, well, you know, we'll allow this where another conference will be like, eh, we prefer not to. It makes sense to go conference only. But then some conferences are gotten so meticulous with this that they're like they're cutting out anything outside of their conference. So the SEC, we've just lost three rivalry games that could determine an outcome for the year. So no Clemson, South Carolina, no Georgia, Georgia tech, and no Florida, Florida state because it's ACC and sec Their sec says, no, we're not doing any rivalry games that are outside of our conference. If they got to be in conference, it's the only way that we're going to play them. And I think that's going to throw off a lot of stuff. So from there we have, and I'm going to talk about it. Uh, I'm going to do a more of a breakdown video on, these conferences 
uh, on my, our YouTube channel. So check us out on just search unfair with Jay and Jimmy or go to our Facebook page um, and you'll see all the snippets and stuff and links to our social medias. I'll have more. I'm going to break down those a little bit more this weekend and put that out. But I don't know how, what's going to happen once things really start falling apart. So like one, one piece that has domino that I feel like has fallen, it's going to affect the rest of them is that UConn university of Connecticut has went ahead and canceled their entire fall season. There are no football, no fall sports completely. And that to me is a lot bigger deal than what people are making out of it. And this is why, okay. I know the jokes. UConn has a football team. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. They haven't been very good. But UConn's reasoning behind it was is that it's cheaper for them to cancel the season now than for them to play a partial season and have to cancel it midway. So financially, it makes more sense for them to just get it all over with now and and they'll save money on losses rather than going partial. Which that's really bad. That's really, 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 really bad because if this is their thought process and other schools start to see the exact same thing, you may lose everyone in the group of five. Or most of those teams. Well, actually, correction, you lose all of them. If you lose too many in each conference, then you're going to lose all of them. Then at that point, what happens to bowl season? We already have lost the ability to pay these schools 500000 to a $1 million to come play at a SEC powerhouse and get the doors beat off of them, get the brakes blown off. But now, on top of that, you didn't, they're not going to have the opportunity to play in these high – dollar bowl games and neither will these other teams in the power five conferences because they need to have opponents. Now you may have like your orange bowl, rose bowl, sugar bowl or whatnot. Cotton bowl, all your main ones will continue to perform because they'll be it's sec. Oh, um, big 12 sec. And then you have, um, the rose bowl with the pack and the big 10, you have those elements that are already there, but what about the ones underneath it? Besides the top five or top six, I guess you could say, even with the Peach Bowl now with it being part of the national championship playoff setup, what do you do about those other bowl games? Are those bowl games completely lost forever? Well, they're lost for this year? Because I, I feel like they are, especially if, like I said, conferences start cutting out uh, in the group of five. They say that they're not going to play. If financially it makes more sense for them not to, it's going to be an issue. And then let's, let, let's look at the next issue that's running into this. So the Ivy league canceled all their fall sports. I have a video. I'm going to talk about that as well, but Juco has moved all their games to the spring. I'm going to talk more in detail in that, but I want to say this about it too. That's going to be a big impact to me on, on football moving forward. The one re- thing about football is, is they play less games for a reason mainly because the human body is not built to be in 30 car crashes a day. It's not, that's not what it is. And the impact that these players have on each other, as far as they, when they have contact and they hit each other, it's like being in a car accident based upon studies. Juco moving to the spring. That means that they'll be playing their standard heavy type football games where there's a ton more hits in comparison to your practices. And then these kids are going to have to be recruited to try to go to a four-year college afterwards, go to another D1 or D2, another school, because they're coming from JUCO. That's why they go to JUCO. They go to JUCO, get their stuff together. Typically, it's behind grades or get their talent better. Most of the time, it's grades. And when they get their stuff together, they go on and play. They move up to another school. 
how is that going to affect recruiting? Because none of these players are going to be available really to recruit. You're not going to have much film on them until after the season's over. And most likely their season's going to be over, what, late? What's that? We'll say they start late January when school starts or early February. We've got them done in April. Did National Signing Day, like, January? That's what's going to be going to throw things off. And then once these kids finish, they're not going to really have a real break break before they're actually back in training camp with these other teams. And they're going to go right back to the field. Now, that's the one cycle about this is the human body's not built to play this sport like this and go nonstop. That's the reason why they have these gaps and breaks and times to rest. These players' bodies need time to heal. I mean, you could probably lift weights and everything, but you got to heal. If you don't heal, you're going to go out there and re-injure yourself or get injured and probably end your career, which this could be really bad in that setup. Now, if football is canceled completely in the fall, and they and JUCO decides to cancel theirs in the spring because college is canceled in the fall and they roll back into next year, I say they'd be better off. But the problem I'm having with college football thinking they're going to start now is the fact that they actually trust that people will follow rules when colleges don't follow rules to this day when it comes to recruiting. Schools are always getting in trouble for recruiting violations. Do you think that they're going to actually follow these COVID-19 rules or guidelines that's going to be sent down by the NCAA? Hell no. There's actually a report out right now at Colorado State that that students blew the whistle on them, called in the NCAA and said, hey, man, they're not following the rules. The corner for Vitek I mentioned, he's opted out. Why? Because he's like, dude, we're in our room. There's 100 of us. Ain't no mask. Ain't nobody trying to social distance. Ain't nobody following the rules. If you want me to be honest, to go on top of that, if all the, the crap that's happening right now in Major League Baseball where they're potentially going to have to shut down because they can't get guys to follow the rules and stop going to casinos and stop going to strip clubs and clubs while they're on the road, knowing good and well they're going to end up testing positive, and then you have 13 people on the Cardinals test positive, do you think these college kids ain't going to be at these frat parties or, going, or throwing parties at their place while on a college campus? We're sending kids back to school right now. You should know that you cannot trust college kids to do something they're supposed to do. You can't. Yes, a lot of them are learning and they're growing up, but that's the thing is they're learning. So a lot of them is going to make a lot of mistakes. I promise you most of the mistakes you made in your life were probably while you were in college or when you were young. And this is the issue that we run into with these. You can't expect them to follow the rules. Hell, I just read that three soccer players at Louisville got kicked off the team because why? They threw a damn party. You think they're going to be the only ones that do that? No. So I love that you guys are optimistic that there's going to be a football season, but I promise you, I can't, well, I can't be optimistic. I'm not promising anything, but I can't be optimistic. But at the same time, I can promise you that that somebody's going to do something stupid that's going to lead to a team getting shut down. And when that one team gets shut down, the domino effect's going to hit and more teams are done. Okay, of course, we had a lot of talks about what's going on in the world and a lot of talks with uh, COVID and everything. But at the same time, fortunately, it's important. We kind of got to talk about it because it's going to affect what's going to happen here in the fall. So I'm going to wrap it up with some uh, with uh, the NFL. We have today, which is Thursday when I'm recording this, 4 p.m. Eastern was the 
the NFL's um, opt-out deadline. So teams, players had the opportunity to opt in or out of the season, and it is a doozy. So the way it looks, there are, there are, it looks like 66 players that have decided to opt out because of various reasons or whatnot. Uh, the thing for them is, is because players that are considered high risk for COVID, they can earn up to 350000 and an occurred NBA NFL season and by choosing to opt out and players without risk earn 150,000 for opting out. And there's a list of them, a long list of these players. So the team that was hit the hardest was the Patriots, which is crazy. They had eight people that opted out. The Browns were second. They had five. And I'm reading this from ESPN. Um, It's going to be, a tough year for the Patriots. And I feel really bad for Cam. He went up there to take over the franchise from one of the greatest quarterbacks to play the game who decided to bounce out. And now he's got to walk in and figure out how to play football without some key components. Like one of his key pieces is his right tackle, Marcus Cannon, who opted out. Some other things for Belichick. He's lost Dante Hightower, safety Patrick Chung, um, those are two major pieces on his defense. And remember, Belichick's a defensive guy, so these are key pieces on what he does for a living. They're not there. And um, and I think one thing that, that jumped out, I was looking at this this article from ESPN talking about the takeaways from the deadline, and I did I, I thought of this, but I didn't think of it the way that they're making mention of it. They're talking about how Brown Center and the NFLPA president, J.C. Uh, Treader, said on a conference call a couple weeks ago that his job will be the more will be more dangerous than ever this season. And reality, I see why his job is literally requires that he and other guys are breathing on in one another's face in every play in the trenches is where it's going to be the most dangerous. And that's where we're seeing a lot of the guys opting out because they have fears of a player being asymptomatic before the game because the tests aren't always just um, instantaneous and hell, some of them aren't even conclusive. Matt Stafford tested positive for COVID and come to find out it was a false positive. Doesn't sound like the NFL's protocols or setup is going very well right now. So do we really think the NFL is going to be prepared to have a season? I mean, let's be honest here. It, It doesn't seem like anybody's had anything in place and we've already chastised the hell out of them for not being prepared four months before the season started. They have four months to get prepared and we've got 40 days left for the seasons is supposed to kick off and they don't seem prepared. It don't look like it. Now they have like a COVID hotline to, you know, snitch hotline for whistleblowers to, point out when teams aren't doing what they're supposed to, but hey, this is no different to me than baseball players who don't follow the rules. Now, the good thing with with these NFL guys is the plus and minus for them is they can fly in on game day, get prepared, play, fly right back out. So they're not stuck in market like baseball players are for a few days or like basketball where you're on road trips, four and five or five or four and seven 
where you're jumping from city to city, they don't have that issue. They're flying in and flying out. So it's a little bit more safe, to be honest. But how safe is it for these guys to be flying first thing in the morning to a game that could potentially be across the country and playing and then trying to get back on a plane and come back? We're not talking about 13 guys in a small charter plane where they can, you know, rest up and relax. Talking about like 50 to 80 people. It's a large entourage that you have that are traveling to these games. And that's where a lot of the safety concerns are. You've got a big congregation of people that are, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work. And so then you have these players that I, I commend for opting out because of various reasons, not only for themselves and others. Like, for example, uh, Chandler Brewer, he's offensive tackle for the Rams. He opted out mainly because he has a history with non-Hoskins lymphoma. So if the research is showing us and, and the science is saying that this is attacking to a point that is it's making a lot of other things magnify, there's a lot of players that have stuff that they don't even know yet. They get caught up. They can end up a lot sicker than we expect. And then we also don't know the long-term effects. We've talked about that, but that's another piece that of the puzzle we've got to figure out. So I hope the NFL is really taking this serious and understanding why these 66 players decide to opt out and they're prepared to take and take any precautions they need to to make sure that any everybody that does stay in is okay. But I don't trust them. I don't trust them. They weren't prepared for four months, even though they may have gotten some good intel that things were going to be better in July. You should should have still been prepared for the worst up to the point of canceling the season. They should have been up to the last minute setup of if everything works out to a certain point to where we can do, we can play, but our last resort is to cancel the season. They should have had a long list of things already prepared for these players and all the answers to their questions out there for them. But I don't trust them. I don't trust the players either. You've got certain players that are who are willy nilly about things. They're going to be the same thing as the baseball players kicking it in the places they don't need to be kicking it. And that's the question you have to ask is how do you, how much of them do you trust? How much do you trust from the players themselves, the human beings that are on these teams? I'm still not there. So speaking of not trusting them, this leads perfectly into that um, NFL uh, Network's top 100. So Jimmy lauded about it and was talking about how he feels like that's the most trustworthy one of all of the surveys. I'm going to say the complete opposite. It is the least trustworthy <laughs> of any poll that goes out there because there's zero to me research when it comes to it. Yes, they play against each other and they know each one and all this, that, and the other. I was listening to Ryan Rossillo earlier this week, and he made this statement that jumped out to me. Players mentioned that, I mean, this is into what, like 2,000-some players, right? Roughly 400 reply. And then from there, players will pick players that they like or know or play with before they'll pick someone that they feel like is actually better. They do it all the time. You want a great example? Go look at the NBA's all-star voting. It's an indictment on how the players pick stuff. Hell, half the players were picking themselves, knowing good and well they weren't an all-star. Because why? You kind of had to have the mentality of, I'm better than everybody else. 
to survive in a game like that. If you don't have that type of confidence, you ain't going to make it. But then at the same time, should we believe them when they say that they think that this player is better than another? Not really. Lamar Jackson should be the number two player on that list. Patrick Mahomes should be number one. Now, I get why most of them would have voted him as number one. Lamar Jackson is number one over Patrick Mahomes because Lamar Jackson is a lot harder to defend as an individual. Whereas Patrick Mahomes leverages his weapons around him, which makes him hard to defend because he can run, he can pass, he can do a lot of different stuff. But Lamar Jackson is an overall better athlete. So it seems like they voted for the athlete itself. But what the hell? What is this? I would not have put Russell Wilson over Patrick Mahomes, nor Aaron Darnold. I like him. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put Julio Jones or, I mean, uh, Michael Thomas over DeAndre Hopkins. I probably would have put Julio Jones in there because he is one of the best receivers. Now, he doesn't catch touchdowns very often, but I don't think that's on him. I think it's more of an indictment of the Falcons' offense. Talk about that another time. Christian McCaffrey is six, and it looks like he is the only running back in, well, second, him and Derrick Henry are the top two running backs in there. Do you think those two are the top two running backs in the NFL? Because when I go back into here and I look at the uh, the rankings from the sporting news for running backs, Dalvin Cook was put up there at number two over Derrick Henry, mainly because Dalvin Cook does a lot more than Derrick Henry. That's your difference. That's the thing that you have to rate these players on. Now, Dalvin Cook does have some injury history, but at the same time, he had a pretty solid year doing multiple things on the field. Derrick Henry was in a very run-heavy offense where he was the centerpiece. It's the only reason why uh, Dalvin Cook didn't have more stats because they had Kirk Cousins, who is a stat-stuffing quarterback. You don't need to run the ball nonstop. Zeke, top five. Saquon Barkley isn't considered better than them. Sorry. Saquon Barkley is better than Derrick Henry. You heard that from my mouth. I would pick Saquon Barkley over Derrick Henry any day of the week, twice on Tuesday four times on Sunday. So do we really think that Derrick Henry is better than Saquon Barkley? The players, they have so many biases when it comes to this that you can't trust it. You can't trust them as much as you can trust them as much as you can trust a local beat writer voting for the Heisman trophy. If you noticed when it comes to Heisman votes, it's all regional. Typically the guys in the South votes for the player that's available in the South North, north, west, west, east, east, just like the Midwest, Midwest. It's regionalized on based upon the votes. If you notice, they vote for their guy. What makes you think the players don't do this? I think the reporters are a little bit more objective when it comes to theirs because they look at a holistic view in comparison to just the way they dominate people on the field. Josh Jacobs was seventh on their list. I mean, looking at this top 100, man, I I don't know about I don't know about these. If I like I said, if I can trust these players, and it doesn't look like I can because we've got Drew Brees at 12. Wait, where's Aaron Rodgers? They all they don't think Aaron Rodgers is good. You know, 16. He's 16. He's behind Drew Brees and Tom Brady. Did you know that Aaron Rodgers has thrown less, thrown five interceptions or less the last two years? Like, he doesn't turn the ball over. 
that's a big deal in football. Where are we at, guys? So, as much as I want to trust this list, I just can't. Because players just aren't trustworthy in anything they really do like that. So, I don't see them being that objective. So, Well, I appreciate you joining me here on this solo weekend episode here on Unfair with myself and Jimmy. Please make sure you check us out wherever podcasts are downloaded and listened to. You got to raise and review us too. You got to give us those five stars. Even though you don't think we deserve it, just give us five anyway and gift it. Uh, thank you to our sponsors at Clutch Culture. Please check them out, underscore Clutch, underscore Culture, underscore on Instagram. Check out their gear. Ideas sprung by children. Cool stuff. I'm rocking a shirt on the YouTube page. You can see it. Uh, I rock a lot of their stuff because I, I just think it's great to see kids trying to understand business and, and grow um, at a young age. So, guy Matt I commend you for the exposure to the kids and for Mike Bob and Wendy thank you so much for doing your thing in the back inside my co-host Jimmy let's hope he tests negative to not be to being jobless and he actually has a job come Monday that way we can do the show together and bring you guys more of the super hot fire but um, outside of that we'll chop it up next week peace Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.